Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Somewhere in a land not so far away, there is a woman of grace and of beauty. She has long silver hair, thick but not too thick, straight, silky. She's 60-ish. She's physically fit, but not thin. She moves easily through life, deliberately, gracefully. She is loving. She is compassionate. She has infinite patience. She greets all of life with acceptance, serenity, and elegance. Somewhere in a land not so far away, there is another woman, also in her 60s, She has silver hair that she often pulls back into a ponytail because loose hairs bother her. She's very organized. She has goals. She has plans. She has backup plans. She has timelines. She's apt to ask for the manager in the unfortunate event that her plans do not go well as planned. She wonders why one is not issued a manual upon birth outlining what's to unfold and how to deal with it. She might ask to speak to a manager about that. (laughs) Both of those women are me. Things go a lot better when the first one is in charge. (laughs) This morning I get to kick off uh, the use of this book, The Art of Uncertainty, How to Live in the Mystery of Life and Love It, by Dennis Merritt Jones. I want to begin by defining what is meant by art for purposes of this idea. Art is the skill acquired by experience, study, observation, and I would add practice, because it is an art certainly to be practiced. This morning I'm going to talk about three ideas. One is that life is a mystery. There is much we do not know. Control is an illusion. There is much we do not know, but we try to know it anyway. (laughs) And then the last is how we choose to deal with points one and two. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to begin by reading from the introduction to this little book here. Have you ever read a really good mystery novel that had you wondering who done it until the very end of the book? Somehow the author kept you involved throughout the entire story by not giving you the answers you were seeking. In much the same way, life is also a mystery. The only difference is that when it comes to life, we often have a far greater attachment to knowing how the story is going to end long before it does. And we suffer greatly because of it. Whether we're talking about our lives, our relationships, our careers, or any other aspect of our daily existence, most of us are greatly attached to to knowing, and in parentheses, controlling, in advance exactly how everything's going to turn out. Because of this, we live smaller, condensed, fearful little lives. Life truly is the ultimate mystery. 
We are born from the pure essence of divine creation, given a body in which we rattle around for a period of time, and then we leave again, going back into the divine essence from which we came. That in and of itself is amazing. What a miracle, what a mystery. The space between those two points is what we refer to as life. And we spend most of our time trying to figure out why things are the way they are and how we can manipulate, control, and squeeze more out of it rather than living in the awe of the sweetness of the mystery itself. Another way of looking at that would be the dash. On memorials and gravestones and such, you know, they'll have the person's name and then they'll have the year that they were born and then they'll have a dash and then the year that they left the planet. We're in charge of the dash part. That's our life. And we get to decide what our dash is going to be and that's an ongoing decision. It's a living thing because um, we can change it all the time. And we can choose how we do that based upon whether we choose to live a life in fear or in faith. Whether we choose to believe and operate from the idea that the universe is good, the universe is love, the universe is for us. There is nothing out there trying to trip us up or test us or anything like that. The basis of life itself is love, is God. And then we can do, live our lives in such a way that we are not fearful of what we do not know, but instead we're curious to see what's going to happen next. And isn't that a big difference? Have you ever known anybody who um, uh, read the end of a book before they started it? <laughs> My husband used to do that. He used to be a voracious reader. And one day I noticed that he was, I gave him a whole big stack of books for Christmas one year, and, he, and he's looking in the back of the book. I said, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm going to see how it ends because if the ending's stupid, I'm not going to read the book. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what defies a stupid ending, but... <laughs> but, yeah... I have read books where every once in a while it seems like I'm really into the book and into the book and I'm following it along, following along, following along, and then it gets towards the end and it seems like they have a time frame that they have to get in, and so all of a sudden the ending just kind of, but that's another story. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's a phrase that... Um, I use more and more often, and I'm more and more comfortable with it. Because you know what? I don't have to know. Because there's something that does. And so I trust that. And so I don't have to know everything, which is good, because I can't keep track of all that stuff anyway. We tend to be afraid of change. And I was thinking about this, and he was writing about it. And it's really change of any kind. It doesn't have to be good or bad. It's just anything that's different than the way it was before. We tend to not like. As human beings, we like things to be the same. We like them to be familiar. We want to know the beginning, the middle, and the end. It's very predictable, and we get very upset when that doesn't happen. So it's the known versus the unknown. 
And of course, the known means that we're just going to stay where we are doing exactly what we're doing now and not change anything and everything's going to be the same forever and ever and ever, right? Except life doesn't usually do that. And so then we get upset when something changes. The illusion of control. Brian Kessler says, and I don't know who Brian Kessler is, but I like this saying, (laughs) kind of. The closest to being in control we will ever be is in that moment that we realize that we are not. (laughs) The closest to being in control we will ever be is in that moment that we realize that we are not. It is similar to one of my favorite sayings that I've had for decades, which is, I feel a whole lot more like I do now than I did before. (laughs) That's not in my outline, that's just an extra. (laughs) So, given that we are expressions of something that is infinite and has no boundaries, no limits, literally, then it stands to reason that we are not born to live our lives in a box, which is very coffin-like when one thinks about it. That, isn't, that is not, I don't believe, anybody's purpose for being on the planet. I think the purpose for being on the planet, first of all, this is how God gets to do life. So given that, we want to go for it, right? We want to go for it. And that's about going to the edge, which really I think is an innate response to the pull of the infinite possibility. We talk in Science of Mind particularly, and not just in Science of Mind, in a lot of philosophies and teachings about life as infinite possibility. That literally, and quantum physics speaks to this as well, that literally every possibility that could possibly exist already does. That we are literally infinite possibility which we will never see on account of we can't see over the box unless we get out of the box. And so what he's talking about here is going to the edge, pushing the envelope, doing whatever we need to do to step out of where we are because there is more to us than this, regardless of what this is or when this is or where we are. There is, we are more than this. And I think our assignment is to see what that more is. And then when we find that, do it again. Do it again. He talked in this book about birds and watching birds as they uh, learn to fly. Except they don't learn to fly because they already know. But they don't know that they know. And so they were, he was talking, describing this family of birds, and they you know, saw the, the birds building the nest and such, and then they observed there were eggs in the nest, and then they observed that the eggs hatched. And then, one day, the mother bird goes from this branch to another branch in another tree, and apparently, the babies, that was their signal that they were supposed to, they were supposed to fly. And so he said it was very interesting to watch because every bird does it slightly different than the other one. Some would just go right to the edge and just start flapping their wings and just go for it. And then some would go to the edge and think better of it and go back. (laughs) (laughs) But eventually they all leave. 
They all leave the nest. They all fly. Because even though they didn't know that they knew how, they knew how. They just had to listen. And then they could fly. Did you, anybody here ever have flying dreams? I used to have a lot of flying dreams, particularly in my first marriage. <laughs> it's true. And I miss that. The flying, not the, not the first marriage. <laughs> but I remember the way the flying dream started out was that I was, go figure, trying to escape from something. And so in the dream, and I don't remember if I ever knew what I was trying to escape from, but the feeling, the sense of it was I needed to get, I needed to leave. <laughs> and so um, in my dream, I would just start running. And then at one point, I would just hold my hands out because I knew in my dream that I knew how to do this. And I knew at some point that I would take off, the, get off the ground. And I always did. I always did. And it was so cool because I could train myself then. If I was having a bad dream or something, I could train myself in my dream uh, to do that. And so pretty soon I could just soar at will. It was awesome. I remember literally I could see, I could see, look down and see hills and trees and oceans. and It was really, really cool. Um, I don't have those dreams much anymore. And I think one of the reasons I don't is because um, because I have come to the edge in my life, and I have pushed. Uh, Larry talked, I think, last week or the week before about the fear of public speaking, and that most of us have that. I was terrified, terrified, terrified to get up in front of people and say, even say my name. I had to push to do that. I had to practice doing that. Um, and it is only recently that I am no longer terrified of doing that. It's fairly recently. The thing is, see, we don't have to learn to come up to the edge. We just have to listen. Because we're the container, like Star said in her prayer, we're the container for everything. Anything and everything we could possibly need or ever become, we already are. It's already in here. But how many times do we just stay back here where it's comfortable? Even when it's not very fun, we'll still stay there because it's comfortable. I don't think we were here. I don't think we're here to be comfortable. I don't. I don't think. I just don't think that's that's what it's about. It's because there. It's about the choice point. I think is comfort or passion. I'm not sure both can exist. Um, simultaneously. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that sometimes we can know we're in the right place at the right time doing what we were born to do. I wouldn't call that comfort necessarily. I would call jam jams and under my Ralph Lauren comforter uh, watching Sex in the City. That's comfort. <laughs> but I don't think I c I'm coming to the edge on that one. <laughs> See, there, is, there exists a divine urge to grow. Uh, in nature, it is, they call it, yeah, grow or die on the vine. And that's kind of, you know, kind of what it is. And we're a part of all of this, all of that. There's a quote in this book by C.S. Lewis. It may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. It would be a jolly sight harder for it to learn to fly while remaining an egg. 
We are like eggs at present. And you cannot go on indefinitely being just an ordinary decent egg. We must be hatched or go bad. (laughs) See, to me, divine urge means that it is against our nature to stay the same. It's against our nature to stay the same. That we are created to be expansive and to explore and to try and to test. We're created to stand on the edge and we're created to jump off. And we don't have to know what that's gonna look like. I mean, it might be helpful physically to know what it's gonna look like. If, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? We don't, have to, um, we don't have to always have a definite plan and an attachment to the outcome. Sometimes we just need to suit up and show up and go for it. And trust that there is that within us that literally knows the next step. That reminds me, I don't know why, except I was talking about flying and edges and such. There's uh, a building in Minneapolis called the IDS Tower. Uh, My youngest daughter calls it the palace because when she was eight years old, her father took her there and to her it was like a palace. At that time, it was, I think it was 56 stories high or something like that, which used to be, you know, pretty significant. Now it's, it's nothing. But it was something to me because I used to be afraid of heights. And so the big deal was that my husband um, took me up to the very top of the IDS tower. Who does this? The architect designed it such that the very top is all windows. <laughs> Who does that? Then you're up 87 quadrillion stories high, you can see forever, and you can see that you're up 87 quadrillion stories high, and then the deal is that, that, that people want you to go to the very edge of the, you know, it's like, no. <laughs> not going to do that. Not going to do that. Most people don't. We don't, you know, when, it's not comfortable to go to the edge, is it? It's more comfortable to stay, it's more comfortable to be a bystander. It's more comfortable to watch the game. We don't need to be in the game, right? I think we need to be in the game. I think we came to play. I think that's why we're here. And so there might be some degree of discomfort involved in that. I think it's helpful to remember that there is something that is everything that knows all this stuff. That is maybe cheering us on saying, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Do it. Do it. Go for it. And there is that within us that knows all this stuff. And this isn't anything really we even need to learn. We just need to be curious. Curious about what, what, what we're about, about what lives in here, about what is ours to do, what is ours to express. And then we just try it. We just try it. Because here's what, life is uncertain. And we can plan all day long. It might happen, it might not. What are we going to do if it doesn't? What are we going to do if it doesn't? Because really, what we know is not a whole lot. What we know is not a whole lot. Can we live with that? As that? Can we live with I don't know? I'm getting better at it. 
not by choice, really. I just sort of kept discovering that there was a whole bunch of stuff I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to admit, I don't know. And I'm okay with saying I don't know. Sometimes I'll say I don't know, but I will find out. And sometimes it's just I don't know. Let's just wait and see what happens. Because isn't there a difference between um, noticing how uncomfortable or varying degrees of that we are with the way things are unfolding or the way our lives are or whatever? Isn't there a difference between that and waking up every day or maybe several times a day thinking, I can't wait to see how this turns out. I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. And see, if we suit up and show up like that, like my little nephew Silas, you know, yay, it's today. You know, just can't wait to see what's going to happen next. And try stuff out. Maybe sometimes you, you, you stink at it. You know, it's on my bucket list to take drawing lessons. That's one of the things I really, really want to do, because in my dreams, I kill it. <laughs> it's charcoal. I'm serious. It's awesome. I rock it. On this plane, I draw stick figures. Now, I don't know, but I suspect there might be something in here that can actually draw. But I will never know unless I try. And if it turns out that I am not up to my standards, so what? I'm not drawn now, right? So I have nothing to lose. There's a difference between living with fear and living in fear. A very big difference. We'll go back to my fear of heights. And I'll be honest with you, I'm still not comfy cozy with climbing up a telephone pole 55 feet in the air, and which I have done, by the way. Climbing up a telephone pole, and it's a telephone pole, so the top of it is not very large in diameter. So you climb up the telephone pole, and you're belayed the whole time. This is a ropes course. I was belayed the whole time, and there was a net. I don't care. If you're that far off the ground, you're going to die. So I'm climbing up, and it's windy, and so the telephone pole's going, I know, right? Telephone pole's going like this, and all I can think of is, oh, my God, I'm going to die. But there was something in me that wanted this so badly that I just kept up. I just kept doing it. Then, bonus round, you get to the top of the telephone pole. There is nothing to grab onto there. The assignment is that you have to stand on top of that pole. True story. Stand on top of the pole. And then, because my strategy used to be, if I'm really scared of doing something, I'm going to volunteer to do it first, and I'm going to do it really fast before I can even think about it. No. The assignment is you stand up, and then you turn around and face a certain direction, and then you stand there so that you can fully experience your abject terror. (laughs) And then there's a trapeze over here. And someone is, you know, pushing the trapeze. And at some point, you decide when you jump off the telephone pole like this and you break every single fingernail. Oh, you weren't supposed to know that part. <laughs> and that's what, that's what you do. And then if you get a hold of the tra- trapeze, which I didn't, I missed, only because of this. I, I had it. I swear to God I did. It was right there. And then you drop, you fall into this net. 
Okay, now there are at least 12 elements in that whole thing <laughs> that just stink. <laughs> and would I do it again? Maybe. Um, do I, I thought, see, I thought, I thought that you could push through fear and then it would go away and then it wouldn't be there anymore. That is not my experience. This is my experience. I can feel the fear and do it anyway. It doesn't have to stop me from doing it. And the other thing is about fear. See, we're hardwired for fear. It's a survival mechanism. You know, it's that fight or flight response. There are times when it's okay to feel fear because maybe there's a danger there. The other hand, maybe there isn't. If we face the fear we are feeling, then we can determine if, it is a re if it's reasonable or if it isn't. We can also determine if we're going to let it stop us or if we're not. So we're not living in fear, we're living with fear, which means, yeah, I see you. Thanks for the heads up. I'm doing it anyway. Big difference, huge difference. And so then it, it can't stop us. It can't stop us. So then that means we can do anything, right? We can try anything. And here's what, we don't have to be good at all of it. And who decides good anyway? But we'll never know if we don't try. And I think that's what, that's the deal. That's the deal. We don't want to remain in the egg. It starts to get pretty rank after a while. <laughs> so there is an art to living gracefully in uncertainty. And like most art, it needs to be done artfully. It needs to be done with grace. It needs to be done, it needs to be nourished. It needs to be nurtured. And you need to practice it. And be committed to yourself and be curious. Because it's your dash. You know? And since, I started to say since we don't know, maybe you all do, I don't, uh, know what happens after our dash so I want to get my money's worth while I'm here, you know what I mean? Because this is what I'm aware of some of the time now. So it's living with fear versus living in fear. And the art of uncertainty is releasing the need to control our outside world, which means anything outside of ourselves, other people, what other people think of us, other people's actions, so the art of uncertainty is releasing all that and then nurturing our own faith and our own trust in a universe that is for us. Because to the extent that we can live there, then we can do anything. We can do anything. We can even make a mistake. We can do anything. Because really, truly, possibly, certainly, it might be that the only thing that we have any shot of controlling is our next thought. And for most of us, even that's a touchy proposition, right? <laughs> that is the only thing that we have any chance of controlling. And so, my decision for myself is that I'm going to lay that down to the extent that I can. I'm going to practice doing that. And then I am going to continue to walk to the edge. And I'm going to continue to fly 
and I hope that I will see you there. Let us pray. And so in this moment of remembering, I'm remembering that there's only one thing that is everything. I call it God. Regardless of what it's called, it is love. It is infinite possibility. It is perfection itself, and it's all that there is. It's everything, everyone, everywhere, all the time. I know that means me. I know that the truth of me is the love of God, the unlimited possibility that is God, the wholeness, the perfection that is God. All that lives in me as me, is the truth of me. I know this for myself. I know it for everyone here. Every single one of us, the unlimited perfection and wholeness and beauty that is God. And so I speak this word for all of us present in this room this morning, affirming and knowing a willingness to spread our wings, a willingness to trust that we are enough for anything and everything that we could possibly want to do or be impelled to do or pulled to do or urged to do. Because the truth of us is that we are without limit. Anything, everything is available to us, and there is that within us which says, yes, do it. Go for it. You are what it takes. And so I affirm for us a willingness to accept that there is simply no limit to our lives, no limit whatsoever. And I'm grateful to know this. I'm grateful to know us as powerful, loving beings so that we can continuously change ourselves and change the world. I'm grateful to know this. I release this word knowing it's true, knowing that even as I do so, the entire universe and beyond rushes to reform itself around the fullest expression of every single one. And in gratitude, I let that be. And so it is. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.